Hi, Souls family. Good to be with you wherever you are. Probably know dear Matt got sick and uh, thank goodness, thank God it's not COVID. Uh, but we were not able to do Yard Church tonight, so coming to you from my office. But it's good to be with you just the same. Difficult week. Um, last night, I'm recording on Thursday night. Last night, I just found myself thinking a lot about what was going on and found myself thinking about a course that I took my freshman year in college called 20th Century British Lit. Professor McConnell introduced us to many great writers who were trying to make sense of the world in between the two wars. Lying awake, a couple of poems came to me. The, the first one was William Butler Yeats' The Second Coming, and uh, the first lines, Turning and turning in the widening gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart, the center cannot hold. Mere our anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed, and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Now, I suppose uh, at this point, maybe I, I should say things aren't nearly as bad as they look, and America's going to be fine, and we all should be hopeful because the vaccine is coming and everything will be normal soon. But I'm not going to say that because I don't know much about the, the future of America, and I don't think you uh, listen to these sermons to hear me pontificate about my opinions about politics. I do hope America will be fine, but I can't guarantee that. What I can guarantee is that the God of Israel, the God of Jesus, the God of the church is at work in and through wherever we are. And I think really that's what we do together is we don't just follow the narrative of the media. We come away, we slow down, we look at the word of God, we put ourselves into its story, and then we try to discover meaning as we live according to God's story in the midst of all that. And so don't have really anything to say about the cultural moment or the future of our nation. I've got a good bit to say about this wonderful story because it's about a wonderful church and how they responded when things fell apart. Uh, Luke opens up with a very understated way. Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one but Jews. So you'd almost miss it. He just quietly says, because of the persecution. Well, let's think of that for a moment. Some of these Jewish believers had lived in Jerusalem, where their families had, for a thousand years. They were deeply rooted, not all of them, but many of them were deeply rooted in Jerusalem. A persecution comes along, and they are forced to flee the city they knew uh, as refugees, and most of them headed north and wind up in cities that were strange in every way to them. It would have been profoundly traumatic and disorienting. Antioch was the third largest city of the Roman Empire, 600,000 people, 25,000 uh, Jews lived in Antioch, had been there since the diaspora. Cosmopolitan city, lots of gods known as uh, morally lax, 
lots of languages, lots of smells, lots of diversity, lots of clashing value systems and worldview. Very chaotic place, very different than Jerusalem. And plop, that's where uh, hundreds of Jewish believers wind up. And so we ask the question, their world fell apart. Maybe you feel like our world is falling apart. Yesterday, it looked like it was falling apart. This year, sometimes it's felt like it's falling apart. What do we do when the world falls apart? Watch more social media. Maybe we need to watch a little bit, but that's not the primary response a believer has when the world appears to be falling apart. Luke says that the first thing they do is just share the gospel. He says they go about speaking the word to no one except Jews. They were followers of Jesus. They loved Jesus, but they were trained that you talk about Yeshua, a Messiah, with other Jews. You don't talk to Gentiles about that. And so that's what they did. And, and what I want us to see is instead of enclosing, instead of shutting off, instead of panicking, they stay on mission. They keep caring about other people. We don't know exactly how they shared the word of Jesus, but it, it seems like it was a very natural lifestyle way of talking about this new hope that they had in Christ. And, you know, one of the blessings of a time like this, my friends, is people are asking hard questions. They are afraid. They are lonely. They are anxious. We don't have a candy-coated sugar pill that solves every human problem. We do have a Savior who we know, who lives with us and within our community, who gives our lives hope and meaning. Just talk about that a little bit. Doesn't have to be preachy. Doesn't have to, you know, have four points. You don't have to close the deal. Uh, but one of the best things we can do when life appears to be falling apart is talk about the one that gives us hope in the midst of it. Now, something strange happens in the, in the story. There were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Now, Hellenists were Greeks, and as we mentioned last fall, that was not in the paradigm. Uh, that wasn't in the playbook for Jews to talk to Greeks. They just didn't do that. And somehow God's hand brings innovation into the people of God, brings uh, a pivot into the people of God, expands their understanding of their mission. This was radically new. It became very controversial. The rest of the New Testament is taken up with wrestling with all of this. Um, but this is something that happens when things fall apart. When disruption comes, it often brings kingdom innovation if we are uh, looking for it. Uh, the kingdom of God begins to break out in new ways. The people of God learn how to minister in new ways. Sometimes the old has to fall apart so that God can bring the new in. And I I, I, I wonder, what is he doing in all of this? What is the new thing that's 
coming out of this, um, when you think about your walk with God and the ways that you nourish your walk with God and the, the practices that nourish your walk with God, what new might he be doing? What practices might he be inviting you into that you maybe hadn't explored uh, before? This is something that, that happens when things fall apart. And again, I'm not going to give you much of my uh, thought on the government or the president or any of that. You can get that anywhere. I, I, don't, I don't know much about that. What I do know is God uses times when life falls apart to bring the kingdom of God in. And yes, we should be aware of what's going on politically and take appropriate steps, whatever that is. But at the same time, we also be need, needing to look for kingdom opportunities. New things come when life falls apart. Well, the church in Jerusalem hears about this crazy revival breaking out in Antioch. A church among Gentiles, that's crazy. What are you talking about? And, and so they send Barnabas down to investigate. When he came, he saw the grace of God. He was glad and exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Now, again, remember how wild this must have looked. Jewish believers were Jewish, and so to follow Yeshua, the Messiah, was to focus on uh, keeping the food laws, circumcision, Saturday Sabbath. These Gentiles all come in. They fall in love with Jesus. They don't know anything about those rules. They don't want to follow those rules. So you have these two groups of uh, believers that are just going nuts, um, and in conflict with each other because they think of the Christian life in such different ways. And the traditionalists are looking at the Spirit breaking out and, and wondering what is going on. Uh, and Barnabas goes down to check it out and report back to uh, the, the, the elders about that. Now, there's a tension here that I th really think we need to, to think about and wrestle with. How do you hold on to the tradition, hold on to the old, while being open to whatever new work the Spirit is doing. It seems like you can real easily get out of balance, right? You just totally focus on the old ways, but then you're closed off to the new work of the Spirit. You can be so focused on the new work of the Spirit that you lose your moorings, you drift off into something other than Orthodox Christianity. Somehow there's this beautiful holding of the tension in, in the, the book of Acts. One of the things that you might just look around you and ask is, is there anything new breaking out? Where is, where is there fruit and life and energy, joy? Maybe when you did the examen, maybe you saw this that you've not seen before. Maybe it looks strange to you. Maybe you're wondering, could that really be God? Well, be like Barnabas. Go check it out, run it by some elders, um, but also don't be afraid of a new work of the Spirit. God is still actively at work, and I think when all of this is over, we're going to see uh, forest fires spiritually. I think we're going to see lots of new innovation of the kingdom as the old gives way to the new. Well, the next thing that happens in the story 
you know, we're asking this question, how does this church respond when life falls apart? And they begin, they witness, they don't panic, they focus on others. The elders go down and check it out, affirm that something true is going on here, and they try to nourish and support it. By the way, that's, if you find something the Spirit is doing new in your family or your business or a friend's life, and you, you sense it really is of God, you want to nurture that and nourish it. Well, Barnabas goes and looks for Saul in Tarsus. And we last met Saul in Acts 9, verse 30. He had gone up to Tarsus after meeting with the elders. At this point, Galatians tells us that he has some missionary experience, so Barnabas goes to look for him. Why? We don't know. The text doesn't really tell us why, but I I, I think it could have been just strategic that he realized Paul was a very effective missionary pioneer and he wanted to pioneer mission to the Gentiles. I think there's a principle here there, though, in that when you sense that God is inviting you into something new, when you sense you're in the midst of a new work of God, and this could be literally a new work of God, a new ministry, a new job, a new opportunity, a new calling, or it might be something new in your heart or a new discipline or a new way you're trying to relate to people or uh, a, a new way of overcoming maybe some addictions you have. One of the things that we should do is go look for a partner. Now, Barnabas was a rock star in the New Testament. Every time we read about him, he's, you know, five stars, two thumbs up. But even he, when he gets into the work, he goes, you know, I don't have all the gifts here. I think I need a partner. And that's something that Jesus had modeled for the disciples, right? He always sent them out two by two. And Paul comes in, they work together, and they begin building this missionary um, effort together. Now, I, I, I think this, this is a principle that we need to think about, particularly if you're starting a new thing. Whenever God invites us to begin a new work, when, when things fall apart and then the new thing starts to come up, almost always he tells you to go to Tarsus and look for Saul. He tells you to go find a partner. He tells you to find someone who can do this work with you, whether it's a literal work that you feel called to lead a small group or start a ministry or start serving at the mission or something internal. Who's going to be your Saul? Who are you going to go ask to go with you? What gifts are you lacking that someone else might bring to the team? You, you might have been through the things are falling apart stage into the new work stage, but you're stuck because you've not found this all. You, you can't do it by yourself. There's a piece missing. There's someone you need to help you figure this out. There's someone you need to help you figure out your marriage. There's someone you need to help you get through chemistry. There's someone you need to help you sort through this desire for a new business, whatever it might be. Paul provides, or God provides Paul, and the Antioch church is strengthened to the point it becomes one of the great sending churches in the history of the church. We're asking the question, life falls apart. How do the people of God respond to Antioch? They serve. They just focus outward. It's authenticated. It's nurtured. 
They go find others to help support it. And then some prophets show up from Jerusalem. And one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, everyone according to their own ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Talk about disruption. Their world falls apart again. Um, a famine in the ancient world was devastating. No safety net. Actually, I think there were four in Claudius's reign or something terrible like that. The Jerusalem believers were closer to the poverty line. And so this new church takes up an offering to support the, uh, the Jerusalem believers. And again, I think it's a powerful witness that when things fall apart, when you become fearful, when you don't know what's going to happen, the tendency is to move into scarcity, to move into fear, to move into anger, to move, to shut your doors, to close down. The Antioch Church does exactly the opposite. It becomes generous. It's focused on others and not on themselves. And that's what we need to be about, too. This is not a time for scarcity. This is a time for abundance in the kingdom of God. Remember that. Don't shut down. Keep your focus outward. Always be asking, who can I love for Christ today? Who can I talk to someone about to, to be Christ to? Who can I be generous with? Where, where can I give away something? When our energy is outward and other focus, and not just pining away on a social media account, good things happen in our hearts. Last night, oddly, a second line of poetry came to me from that class. It was from T.S. Eliot's Four Quartets. We shall not cease from exploration, and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive when we started and know the place for the first time. I love that. It will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. I don't know why that came up, but as I thought about it today, I thought maybe exploring the new work of God, whatever fresh work he's bringing in out of this bad stuff that's going on around of us, that whenever we step into that new work, it ultimately takes us back to where we started and to know the place for the first time. Let's pray. Lord, it's, it's been a, a very challenging, difficult uh, week and year. You know that. Lord, uh, you make it real clear in Scripture. We're to pray for our leaders. We pray for President Trump, Vice President Pence. We pray for... Governor Lee and Mayors Kincannon and, and, oh my goodness, there's so many representatives and uh, sheriffs and things like that. We lift all of them up in this, in this hour. We pray, God, that you would work in them so that the government would cause human flourishing. You give systems and structures to human beings so that they might flourish. May our government work in a way that causes us to flourish. And Lord, may the principalities and powers of darkness that would try to distort and twist and bend the spiritual powers, 
May you uh, thwart them by the power of the cross. May you bring peace to our country. May we have a peaceful transition of power. Lord, we, we are in a time when it seems like the falcon is not listening to the falconer and the center is not holding and things are falling apart. Maybe they are. But Lord, we know you're not. We know your kingdom isn't. And we know from the book of Acts and church history and even our own experience that it is always darkest before the dawn. The death always precedes resurrection. That life follows surrender. And so we are hopeful. We, we can see even now the first peeps of spring Easter growth. We can, we can see life coming back. We, we believe that out of this dark period, wonderful new kingdom expressions will come, kingdom innovation, people coming to Christ, Christ being shared in a new way. Lord, comfort our hearts as we go into this week. We ask this in your name. Amen.